The concept of retirement in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences along the way. There has got to be a better way. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA, founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent practice with securities offered through Raymond James Inc., member FINRA SIPC, and is here to help you learn how to retire while you work and develop a different way of thinking when it comes to managing your money. Hello, hello. I'm David Adams, and I'm your host for Retire While You Work here on News Radio 1510. WLAC, and you can hear us every Sunday from 5 to 6 p.m. You can also go to retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question. We'd love to hear from you throughout the week. Hit the Contact Us button in the top right, or give us a call at the office, 615-435-3644. Well, today I have a couple of special guests here in studio. I have uh, Siobhan Farler, who is a wealth advisor in our office, back again. Hello, Siobhan. Hello, David. Thank you for having me back. Glad you're here. And also special guest, Brad Hopkins, who played in the NFL for 13 seasons. Is that right, Brad? 13? Yeah, and that's also to say that Siobhan is not special because you introduced me as special guest. So, yeah, how about that? How do you feel about that? Huh? No, He's kidding. already hot and ready to go. Hey, that's okay. Thanks 13 for having seasons, me. Oh, man. You, you tired? <laughs> well, that 13 was 10 years ago, so I'm oh, pretty <laughs> No, but in our last segment, uh, Brad's going to talk about how he managed his money while playing professional football and provide some advice for uh, young athletes listening today. And also, um, we have a lot of musician clients, and a lot of this will apply to them as well. Um, also in the studio, um, again, we have Siobhan. She's going to do uh, our segment on um, the Ask David, a lot of your questions yes. we received throughout the week. And then we have Looking a little forward bit. To that. A fun trivia, Know Your Dough, where I'm going to ask Brad, Siobhan, and also Jimmy, our producer. He likes to play this game. Some random money questions and test their knowledge and maybe embarrass them. Oh, no. Maybe embarrass them a little bit. Who knows? Now, if you've been listening to this show regularly, then you know the passion that we have for really challenging uh, our industry and changing the conversation of how retirement is viewed in this country. We don't want you working yourself ragged until you're 60 or 65 or whatever, and then retiring and thinking you can only enjoy life once you reach that age. I've seen that story too many times in my 15 years as an advisor. Instead, we really want to see people with that balance and living life while working. It isn't either or. It truly is getting into that mindset of retiring while you work. Now, since we have Brad Hopkins in the studio today, I thought we could talk a little bit about the relationship between the big paychecks and the professional athletes and how this could also be true for the music industry here in Nashville as well. And uh, he'll be sharing quite a bit in the last segment. So make sure to stay tuned. I'm going to interview Brad about this topic. Plus, I think he'll have a lot to add to today's topics throughout the show. Now, we always talk about retire while you work and how not saving every penny today so you can finally live at 65 is so important. But instead of enjoying it along the way, and sometimes maybe it's actually possible to enjoy it too much, now and ignore the future on oh, the no. flip side. So it's it's all about balance. And today's topic is so important for those that come into mo- money suddenly, wh- whether it's lotto winners or entertainers or someone inheriting a big chunk of money or professional athletes that are often in this situation. And we're going to talk to Brad about that. And I know Siobhan and I were reading an article a few weeks ago by ESPN um, Outside the Lines talking about how quickly an athlete can go through, I think this example was $5 bucks. Brad, have you read that article before? No, I have not, yeah. but I've heard stories like that yeah. plenty. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure you have. And we thought we'd share some of the article with you today and also get Brad's perspective. So 
let's just do that. Let's let's pretend or let's um, use this example. A professional athlete receives a $5 million signing bonus. Okay, so stay with me here. First, Uncle Sam will likely get his hands on about 38%. Actually, I'll kind of nerd out a little bit, maybe 3% more if you throw on the uh, health care tax. So right up front, you've got about 42% that goes away for taxes. Yuck, taxes yeah. right there at do the beginning. A, do we have a yuck button? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that, now also you have the states that want to get their hands in the pot too. Um, so if you're a professional athlete that's living in, they call it the jock tax. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. You yeah. get a federal income tax, but I had to file like five tax returns every year because of the different states that I played. Yeah, away games. Oh. Yep. Yep. You have to. So you also have to throw that on top. And, you know, and a lot of players we see that we've worked with will have their primary residence in Florida or Texas or Tennessee, one of the uh, states with no state income state, tax. Yep, yep. Is that, was that mm-hmm. a common thing? Oh, yeah, thing? for sure. Yep. Texas, Tennessee. It wasn't a bad move from Texas to Tennessee because they didn't have the state tax. Right. Hell. Yeah. Oh. It's kind of a have tax. Going from the Oilers to the Titans. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Tax, tax neutral move. But so, so after you think about the taxes, you probably, of that, Five million. You've got, let's say, about two point nine million dollars left before you even get started talking about planning. Now, the next point I want to bring up would be about the agents. And before we talk about that, I mean, Brad, these athletes are young. Is there anyone out there, or who's really the one that's guiding these players through all this? Is it a financial advisor like myself? Is it an agent? Well, what they've done now is make sure that there are certain requirements that agents have to have to represent an athlete. In other words, there has to be full disclosure about who you are. There has to be a checks and balance, so to speak. In other words, the league will do its its due diligence to make sure that you're of the kind of caliber of an agent to, to represent its athletes because they don't want the stories of players losing their money to you know making mistakes professionally. Right. Oh. So what they do is they at least you know kind of at least go through some sort of protocol with anyone that wants to represent an agent and therefore they know that there's some sort of there's some sort of balance of trust there a little bit you know yeah. making sure that everybody that you've talked to um, that represents an agent has to go through the same process has to go through the same kind of hoops to represent an athlete it at least gives you peace of mind knowing that that process is at least intact by them policing it through the NFL absolutely makes sense um so okay so Brad we're, we're discussing agents um, and if their cut of this five million dollar signing bonus, let's say as an example, is it normally around three to five percent? That's what the three percent. Three percent is pretty standard. Mm-hmm. I know in the music business, we work with a lot of musicians. It's around five percent. So we'll use that and say so. After taxes, after you pay your agent, now you're down to two point seven million from the, our five million dollar example. And Brad, who do you think uh, gets the next chunk of the pie typically after the agent and taxes? Mm. Probably going to say a jeweler or... (laughs) They're on the list, yeah. Probably a car dealer, being Um, honest. Someone gets a cut of that money as far as the toys that athletes kind of tend to buy. Ex-wife? No, you're assuming that she's... Well, first off, you're assuming that he's married coming out of school, which, I mean, that might not be as much. But, you know, some of the pitfalls that do come are family. Right. Yeah, and that is actually... And, Jimmy, those everything y'all name is actually on this list. But the next one, according to this ESPN article, was the athlete's mother or the female parent. It could be aunt, grandmother. And according to ESPN, they were saying that once the uh, athlete signs a big contract, a lot of times they'll... You know they'll spend around three hundred and fifty to seven hundred and fifty thousand on average to buy a new house for mom, and usually wow. pay cash for the home, all the furnishings, maybe even a new car as well. Um, and then you have friends saying, you know, I've had your back all this time. You have other family members putting their hand out, so it's a lot of a lot of pressure on this athlete. So we're about to go to our first break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about managing money and specifically as a professional athlete in this example of a five million dollar signing bonus and we have our special guest brad hopkins here today former professional uh nfl player with the oilers and the titans who's going to give his perspective as well so back in a few 
Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I'm your host, David Adams, and I'm here in studio today with Siobhan Farler, who's one of our wealth managers and also former Tennessee Titan Brad Hopkins. And right before the break, we were discussing the professional athletes and wealth management and how they coincide and how easily a $5 million sign-in bonus can disappear. So just a quick uh, recap here. If you started with $5 million after taxes, you're probably around $2.9 million, give or take. And then after paying your agent, you're down to uh, about $2.7 million. And then we were talking about the next uh, how family was next in line. And a lot of times the athlete will, according to this article, will spend around three hundred and fifty to $750,000 first on their mom, buying her a home, maybe a new car and some furnishings. And then right after that, you have, um, according to this article, the father is next, but that's usually, um, according to the statistics, a new truck around $50,000 and a trip to the Pro Bowl. That was the average um, the average cost that came from that. And then mom usually gets a monthly income stream of around $1,500 a month, as an example. So just factor all that in. Let's just put family in the bucket and say the athlete after taxes, paying the agent, and their close family, immediate family, now they're around $2.1 million left out of this $5 million. So we're wow, trying to show fast. We're trying to show how fast this can go. And then I want to talk about things you can hopefully do planning-wise to, to make a, a different outcome to the story. Now, now, Brad, you don't have to cer- certainly share your personal financial situation, but we're curious to know, what did you observe, I guess, personally or with other athletes? I mean, you know, we think it's very admirable that they <laughs> want to take care of their family, but is this, so far, is this kind of the common... Well, David, Siobhan, if you go back to third world countries, the design of of surviving, uh, it comes from having as many kids as possible to then hope one of them becomes successful and then bring money back to the family. It's right. the same thing when you're talking about impoverished communities. When you're looking at some six six kid that can tackle, you know, a, a, a car, you know, he's walking around your living room eating everything in sight. You know, you're thinking <laughs> there's got to be a future for you in athletics, and let alone the the people at school the ones that are noticing this kid's growth and then preaching into him how well he could be and how he could save his family, how he could put his brothers and sisters through college, how he can get his mom that house, moving them out of the hood, all those things, oh, yeah. they become saviors for their family. So it, it's it's easy for us to kind of sit in the situation once you've earned it to say, well, I'm just not going to give anybody anything. Oh yeah, That's, You've got a heart. Yeah. Of and course. You're, you're also tasked with the person who's made it. You're being the person that's made it. Your friends are not making millions of dollars like you are, but yet they're the same guys that went to social studies with you when you were in high school, right? Right. So you're lucky, in essence. That's what it comes down to. And you feel that. And you want to give back. And you want to help them. But what do you you stop? That's the hard thing, you know? Because (sighs) this money does run out. We're already down to $2 million out of a $5 million signing bonus, and we haven't even started with friends. No one ever thinks in the beginning to set the tone as a loan. In other words... I'll be sure. I'll be. I would love to to lend you the money. Let's talk about the the the, the payback plan. What are we going to do here? So you're going to give me what a hundred dollars a month? Are you going to do? When you start that conversation right there of having to give it back, people don't want to talk that because they think that that money is given to you because yeah, sure you may have earned it to a degree, right. but it's not like you spent twenty years in a workforce for them to have an appreciation for that. You were broke yesterday, and you got paid in the signing bonus. Yep. So, so where's my cut? Because I was share your the friend. wealth, right. right? You see what I'm saying? Oh. But if all of a sudden you start, and another thing, what happens is this: like when you go out with your friends, they don't all of a sudden reach for their wallet when things get to need to be paid for because they know that you're making seven figures, and it's almost kind of expected that you do it. Right? There's an assumption there you're going to pay for it for right? the first couple of meals. There's the obligatory reach for the wallet, right? We all you know, know that, and yeah. you can't see me. This is radio, but you can't see me. 
<laughs> you look good. Way. You look good. But then after a while, they don't even start. Matter of fact, they might even get up from the table before you do, heading for the door, because they know you're going to pick up the check. Well, if all of a sudden you start saying, you know, hey, split that check, you know, I've got my wife and myself. Right. You've got your the rest of your whatever. When you start making it known that I'm not going to pay for you and I'm not going to be your meal ticket, then they'll stop expecting you to be their meal ticket. Right. Because I've I have buried my friends' kids. Mm. I have gotten homes out of foreclosure. I have put rims on a car before. You see what I'm saying? All these have been asked of me because there are things that these normal people can't afford to do. Be no skin off my nose, right? Right. But what happens when 50 people that I know are asking me the same thing? Yep. And they see that you've been philanthropic with other people. You know what I mean? Like, right. shoot, well, you gave Johnny some money. Well, now there's that pressure. You see what I'm saying? So it's kind of hard to kind of live in that bubble, you know what I mean, to protect yourself from all the other issues that other people are dealing with. Because when you're not the person that made it and you're struggling— you kind of tend to look at those other people that don't have a care in the world a different kind of way. You know what I mean? And if they can't help you, it is what it is. What is that struggle? I mean, you mentioned having the heart. You want to help everybody. but mm-hmm. then And then you start to feel the guilt if there's when – when you cut it off, you start feeling guilty. And then we all, a lot, you know, we all struggle with egos to some level, and it's probably hard to say there's just no more money because you've gotten used to, to being that person, and it feels good to help people. So I'm sure there's a it lot does. of internal struggles. David – Part of the responsibility of being a person of wealth is to know what and when to share. That's what it's about. You can't take it with you. Right. But you can change people's lives by just your simple influence with the money that you have. I mean, I've always thought that God made me a a successful person so I could help the people that he wants to help through me. That's amazing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so absolutely. while I might be have gone to high school with a girl whose um, son at five months had a hole in its heart and passed away, and there's no way they could afford to put that kid in the ground. It was nothing for me to do it. You know what I mean? Or my first wife, you know, her parents are about to lose their home to foreclosure. Mm. Nothing for me to save them from losing their house. And those are things that I was blessed with the ability to be able to do. But when you look at it from a financial strategy standpoint, that's not a good thing. Giving your money away, I didn't get that money back. Right. Didn't get any of it back, but I didn't expect to get any of it back either. But right. that's see how God continues to bless me. He works in my life by putting me on a pedestal or a platform to where I can do things for other people and replenishes that. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like whenever there's struggle, and there's always struggle. It's the abundance mentality versus the scarcity. Dude, it's like when you have an abundance, you don't even think about the checks. Like, okay, here it is. When you leave that gas station and your car is on F, do you consider how fast you drive on a regular basis? No. No, but when your car's got a quarter of a tank, oh, you're right. You That's think about how fast you're driving. You think about how far you got to go. You think about all kinds of things as that tank gets lower, Start right? But when that tank's on full, <laughs> turn off the air. Turn off the air. Yeah, exactly, Jimmy. Exactly. Turn, exactly. Roll that window down, man. We got to get. You know, I got to get extra five miles out of this rascal. But that's what happens. It's the same mentality. When you think you have it in abundance, you don't think about it as much, you know. And I can say that's almost been a blessing to me, and that I've lived both perspectives. You know, I came from the hood. You know, we grew up in a two bedroom apartment. Hmm. You know, until my parents, both of them being professionals, worked our way out of it. And then they put me in a good school system to where, you know, I got a good education, you know, and I got my degree in school. It was certain standards that were applied that were set for me you know, by my parents. You know, I wasn't allowed to say ain't my house. Well, it makes a big difference when you know what it's like to, to be without and then to have it. So you're going to think, think totally differently. Yeah. So, But you can kind of say, I'm not trying to take over, David, but you can kind of sometimes forget that focus. You know what I mean? When you when you're keep continually making decisions like that, like I want it, I'm gonna go get it. Well, what are the repercussions of that? Do I need it now? 
know what I mean? Are there other things that I need to prioritize in front of that? Because guess what? Those priorities are need to get paid for too. Do you put your wants in front of your priorities? That's kind of like a backwards way of doing things, but sometimes Mm -hmm. we do that. Right. Yeah. Well, and and so we talked about family and then we're talking about friends and like, where do you cut it off? One of the financial strategies I've read quite a bit and, and being an advisor, this is something that's you know, we've had to do before, and but it's it's hard as an advisor to do it as well. But tell me what you think about this. I mean, does it help an athlete to have someone like myself go and say, look, for them to be able to say, I don't I don't make all these decisions. I have a, a financial team that makes a lot of those decisions where they can kind of, because this is something I wanted to mention. Alan, Alan Iverson actually had $154 million. He was spending 360000 a month on credit cards and mortgages. Had a 50-person entourage, and a year after retirement, his income was $62,000, according to this article. But then he later explained, hey, I'm not, I'm not bankrupt. Reebok actually had put $30 million in a trust that I couldn't touch till 2030. So my point of that is, does it help being able as an athlete to say, there's money, I don't make those decisions, so you can get rid of that guilt? Only if you as a professional can teach me. Yeah. I'm not going to be engaged with something I don't know. Right. You we have to understand before the show. Yeah. You have mm-hmm. to understand the big picture and why exactly. that's important, where we're headed. Not just say, hey, look, I'm going to give you a prospectus at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter, or whatever else. We're going to go over and show you where you, what your money did. No, I need to understand. So that way I'm as passionate about what you're doing as you are. Absolutely. You're listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And we're talking with Brad Hopkins, retired professional athlete and radio host, about his experiences in the NFL and managing money as a professional athlete. Back in a few, we're going to continue talking with Brad and we're going to answer some of your questions we received throughout the week and do a little financial trivia. Back in a couple. Hello and welcome back. I'm David Adams and you're listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510. WLAC. And just just before the break, we were talking with former Tennessee Titan Brad Hopkins about uh, professional athletes and wealth management and how easily a $5 million signing bonus can disappear. Now, we had mentioned paying taxes, paying the agent, uh, buying a house for mom and dad and uh, uh, giving back to typically the uh, you know, bunch of friends, uh, call it the entourage, if you will, um, and, and giving back. And we were down to about $2 million just after taxes, taking care of family and friends and the agent. Now, after that, let's go ahead and move on. Typically, the athlete, according to this article in ESPN, would buy uh, him or herself a few new cars. On average, they said three. Um, typically, uh, uh, a luxury car that was around, I think it was $100,000, usually a car to run around town in and, and another car. Well, now we're looking at needing a house. So let's say a three-car garage. We're already at a three-car garage. Uh, very quickly, that's easily a million-dollar home, depending on where you live. And then we have furniture, utilities, landscaping, a pool maybe, chef, housekeepers. That's easily another 100000 a year. Um, and then on top of that, a lot of athletes, according to this article, is very common to have a second home, on average $25,000 um, a month for rent. And then, you know, most of these, uh, most of these athletes, they want to look nice as well. Um, they own several suits, uh, tailored suits, and this adds up as well, first-class vacations, Easily can add up to $25,000 there, and discretionary spending on average was around $2,000 a week. Like Brad was talking about when going out to eat and so forth with friends and stuff like that Absolutely. adds up. Yep, yep. And feel like you're pulling out your wallet quite a bit, and this stuff starts to add up. And um, and then another thing was 
Um, a lot of these athletes talked about how they felt uh, indebted, not just to their friends and family, but those that helped them to get where they were. So this may have been a college football coach or high school football coach, a sister who helped with homework, another family member. On top of that, you also had a lot on average there. They said it was one to two children receiving child support. This is after retiring. Um, and then an ex-wife for alimony. And this was another $300,000. Now, Brad, I don't know if you knew this stat, but it said after retirement, the divorce rate for an NFL athlete was 87%. I thought it was 90. Really? Wow. So that doesn't surprise you at all? Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. I think um, I know the answer, but why would you say that? Of um, the- well, it becomes the transition, the transition and the struggle of, of redefining who you are. Um, sometimes these athletes have lost their own identity. And it, the relationships can have an, they can struggle because of that. Uh, the financial aspect of it is probably the most pertinent thing. Um, the fact that you're not you're no longer living in an area of wealth like that. Um, there's probably panic. Um, there's a a change in routine um, that don't allow you to be comfortable. Now you're no longer thinking about the romance and the love. You're thinking about surviving. You know what I mean? So all those things ultimately take a toll on your relationship. They definitely can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so we talked about divorce and child support pay- payments. Actually, Sean Kemp at the age of 28 had seven children. You knew that? Yeah. Seven I've, kids. I've, I mean, I've been married three times. So, yeah. um, And I don't have alimony, but I'm just saying because I've got joint custody of my own of my yeah. kids. So, so, I mean, he had, a, and he had a public meltdown in a game just saying he had spent through all his money and he couldn't yeah. keep up. What so this do? is a real. Yeah, it's a real issue. Real struggle. Um, so now after, you know, after all these expenses, the athlete now, that $5 million is down to around $700,000. Typically, um, after that, this article cited a new love interest, a wedding, maybe another baby or a car. Disability insurance is usually around thirty to 50000 a year to protect the um, athlete's income. So now we're at another 200000 Basically, we're sitting on about $500,000 left after the signing bonus. Pretty quickly, we're down to 500000 to begin thinking about life after pro ball. Wow, that's like less than 10% or close to 10% of yeah. the $5 million. Yeah, and, and they said the average, uh, typically that remaining 500000 this is where this money gets invested in some sort of risky business, a friend's business or some sort of real estate deal. And a lot of times it's gone and there's nothing set aside, whether it's a portfolio with someone like us, but for the long term, retirement accounts, that sort of thing. So you can see how quickly it can go away. Now, what would we do, you know, as, as a financial advisor using the retire while you work mindset, I think something we, we would try to do, that's something we've done in the past, is we try to begin with the end in mind. So there's not a lot we can do with the tax situation. So the $5 million becomes $2.7 million after taxes and an agent pretty quickly. Not much we can do about that. But the first thing we always have clients do is set aside a year or two worth of expenses in an emergency fund. So we'd have, in this example, I'd probably have the athlete take $500,000 and have it just sitting in this account. That's their first bucket of money that we call the emergency fund. We're not touching it. This is for you know life after ball, if you get hurt, that sort of thing. And then after taxes, I mean, yeah, we're going to want to help mom and dad and some friends. We're going to want to get ourselves a house. I would try to keep this athlete. It's all about ratios. I would say maybe buy yourself a condo or a home for five or 600000 Brad, you're shaking your head. <laughs> you you got to back up, David. You got to back, back, back up. Back me up. To, okay. Back me up. Back up to the mindset once you get the money first, because this is a great idea to have the plan. But right. if you don't, if you don't believe in the plan, if there if there are more important things to you, you're going to be wrestling with your client, so to speak, to convince him that this is what he needs to do. Uh, you need to convince him that first off, living in excess is not acceptable. Right. And that's subconscious to everybody. I mean, that's what we do as Americans. We do it big. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we do it more than anybody else. Keanu Reeves, he takes the train, right? right? Lives in an apartment. Why is that a story? 
because he's a familiar, notable, successful guy that doesn't live like notable, successful guys. Because that's the connotation. The connotation is if you've made it, then you're supposed to live in a gated community. You're supposed I mean, to think show about that you made it. Here, here's the thing. Quality costs. Yeah, absolutely. You see what I'm saying? When you're talking about logos and brands and things like that, Lululemon ain't cheap. So think about it though. <laughs> no, you're right. So if those are the things that you're buying, if that's the lifestyle that you're used to, you know, that you're now accompanied to, in other words, you're not cutting your grass because you live on two acres, you have somebody cut the grass for you, that kind of stuff, those are expenses that ultimately eat into your the balloon that you have as as your right. as your wealth. You're not earning that money. Sure, you're you're making good money during the you know, during the season or whatever, during during your career. At the end of the day, that lifestyle is the thing that's deflating that balloon. And if you can't keep continuing to put more into that balloon, it's just going to deflate. No, you're absolutely right. And you brought up a good point. I mean, as advisors, we have to first, and we do this, we spend the whole first meeting talking about, you know, philosophical goals. Like what is, you know, what is the greater purpose with this money before we start talking about investing and that sort of thing? Because you're going to lose, you're going to lose the athlete right then if you don't talk about who do you want to take care of? What are your, what are your priorities? And then we go through and we have to say, okay, what can we accomplish with this first batch of money? And if somebody has $5 million, I want to make sure they have at least a million bucks that we're setting aside. You know what? And maybe um, that's unrealistic, but that that's our job, I feel like, is to try to have that conversation, but you have to do it in the right way or they're not David Siobhan, I tell you, um, my dad worked for um, uh, Trinity, a barge manufacturer out in in Ashland City for about 12, 15 years. And I remember him having a conversation with me after he retired, and people were saying to him, man, retirement ain't going to be nothing for you, man. We can go ahead and let you go because you got a son that played in the NFL. People said that to him? Think about that. That's the mindset. They've got no worries because this guy's got X. And that's the pitfall that a lot of people that have success fall into. I've got to live through you. You see what I'm saying? It's like, you know, you can afford to have a Mercedes. Why don't you buy one? I don't want one, but I'm going to live through you and go buy one. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to put all this, this expensive tapestry and and craziness in my home for who? For me to get up and walk by it every single morning? No, I got that stuff. So that way when I'm entertaining and you can talk about how lovely my house is, it's for you. You don't have to live for everybody outside of your house. That's exactly, it's exactly what it is. And it's our culture. And when the Joneses have two trucks, how many are you going to go get? Three. I'm going to get three trucks. (laughs) See, that's what I'm saying. You can't live your life for somebody else. They don't go through the same things that you go through and they're not paying your bills. So at the end of the day, stop appeasing those people that at the end of the day don't matter. You're absolutely right. So of all the things we talked about today, and we're going to continue talking with Brad in our last segment. We're going to interview him in a few, here in a few minutes after the break. We're going to talk about ways to avoid these stories. But, I mean, and also for our music clients, after touring or writing number one hits, um, this is the same story. I mean, they sell a catalog for three, four, five million bucks, and we have to come up with some sort of plan. Very, very important. And, and here in a couple of weeks, we have a very well-known songwriter, Brett Beavers, on the show to discuss his, uh, his encounter with this. Now... That being said, we're about to go to our next break. When we come back, we're going to interview Brad about some of his personal experiences um, in the NFL and with these topics we talked about today. We've got uh, several questions from our listeners. We're going to get to those next week on our show. And also uh, get with Brad. Brad, um, any, other, any, any other quick thoughts you'd say on that topic as we wrap up? There are so many things that we're going to get into in the next segment that I can't even begin to tease <laughs> you with any other things than just you know stay tuned. You're not going to want to go anywhere. We've got so much more coming right You heard the man. Don't go anywhere. I'm David Adams. This is Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. When we come back, we're going to interview Brad more on life as a professional athlete and managing money and some great advice for all of us. You won't want to miss it.
Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And on our previous segments, we were talking with retired NFL football player Brad Hopkins. Hello, Brad. Hello, David. Hello, Siobhan. Hello. Talking about welcome back. Life as a professional athlete and just advice for for us and our listeners and uh, future athletes and current athletes about managing the money and the struggles they're up against. And we went through the example of how $5 million as a signing bonus can go uh, can be spent very quickly and how important having a plan is and having somebody that you can talk to and count on. So again, Brad, thanks for being here. And tell us a little bit more about you. And I, I know we have you have a radio show. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, it, the transition wasn't easy, David, Siobhan. It was really trying to find out what I was passionate about. I've heard you guys talk on a number of occasions about loving what you do. Therefore, right. you don't work, you know, in right. essence, because that's basically what it is. If you're passionate about what you do, you can't sleep at night. You can't wait to get up and start your day, you know. Absolutely. But it's hard finding something like that. Were you like that way with football? Absolutely not. I hated football. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I was a basketball player by heart. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, loved basketball. As a matter of fact, I was waiting for a basketball scholarship before I was offered my football scholarship. And by my dad's advice, I had to take it. So, <laughs> gotcha. You know, when your dad's facing paying for college versus you having a scholarship, there's no options there, there's basically. No option. Right. You're going to take it. So if I had my druthers, I would have gotten a basketball scholarship. But there's not really a commodity for six, five, 300 pound guards. So a tackle was probably best suited for my future. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But um, when I finally figured out what it was that I wanted to do, I knew a lot of that process to me being successful was about networking. It's about relationships. Absolutely. Because In any profession. To, exactly. To me, you know, being smart isn't about your intelligence level. You know, it's, it's not even about your education. It's about making the right decision at the right time. You hear luck be mentioned so much as a part of people's success because you can't tell which way the ball bounces, especially in football. You're just kind of guessing. But when you you know, basically put some put more emphasis on the moment itself, like I really need to associate myself with Siobhan. She's got a lot of great contacts. That's someone I need to get close with to basically get where I want to go. Sure. Making the right decision at the right time. Right. As great opportunities. To, right. Instead of saying, you know, I've got this um, great interview with these financial planners on the radio, but I think I'd rather go ride my motorcycle today. Is that a smart decision? Probably not. I actually I'm, bi- t- I'm biased there. I'm going to say <laughs> Don't tell me you got a bike. Are you rolling? No, okay. I'm saying, oh, I'm, saying I'm biased. Me. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm about to say, we're about to go ride after the show. Let's go. No, um, but I actually talked with the uh, the Titans rookies, the new class okay. for this year, uh, on Tuesday. Actually, it was a Monday night. Um, John Robinson and, um, and the other coaching staff wanted veterans like me and Chris Hope and Derek Mason and Zach Pillar to come over and share our experiences to these guys. So that way they kind of understood some of the things that they were going to be embarking on as new professionals. And I felt that our job was to scare the stuff out of them. Yeah. Because what I wanted to do was really make what we were going through a reality that they had to consider. Yeah. Because the I other to- side of the fence. Yep. Because I said that we're parallel here, bros. I said, we were you. And if you're lucky, you will be us having played the long years in the in the NFL and have to manage money. 13 like that. years, right? 13 years. Average is three years, right? Two. Two. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. De- Derek Nason, that was to my left, played 15. Chris Hope, to his left, played 12. So um, um, Zach Pillar, I think, got 10 in, maybe something like that. But yeah. either way, we were there, all vested veterans, having at least four years in to be in a position to talk to these kids. And it was just amazing, just even going back to some of the scenarios that we put those kids in. Like me and Derek, were, we did role playing. You know, we was like, um, so uh, Derek, I heard you got this $5 million signing bonus. You know, hey, um, 
I'm really trying to get this business off the ground. You know, I just need a cargo van to be able to put my stuff in, and it's going to cost me 15 grand. Can you help me? Well, there's a conundrum that you're in. Do you help your best friend that you grew up and give him the 15 grand, but knowing you're not going to ever get it back? Right. And then how many other friends are going to come out with $15,000 $15, projects that they need After you to that. help them with? You Absolutely. see? So it's kind of hard to be able to be that guy that says no. And I was like, we were talking with, Derek was the fourth rounder. Uh, Zach was a fourth rounder. I don't even think Chris Hope was even drafted. Unfortunately, I guess you can look at it that way. I was a 13th pick, which mm-hmm. meant that my salary was in the paper, which meant I got the oh, big yeah. signing oh, bonus, yeah. which meant that I had the bullseye on my back as far as how I lived my life and how I could help or affect people around me's life. I was the savior instantly for a lot of people's problems. Absolutely. So let me ask this. So during your 13 years, not specifically, but how did you manage your money? I mean, who helped you? How did you make these decisions? Was it by your gut? Did you have a, a mentor? Well, first off, I didn't escape 2008. I don't think anybody did. 2008 stunk for everybody. I lost seven figures. Still in have a hang, I still have a hangover. From Absolutely. That. I it was, yeah. And, and uh, from when I first got my very first signing bonus, my dad and I opened up a Fidelity investment account. Okay. Okay. And that was a way for me to distance myself from the money. You know, allowing it to work for me, but then, you know, trying to come up with some sort of budget. But I did do things in excess. I had 14 cars when I played. Okay. I built a 14,000 square foot house. Just like we were talking about earlier, cars, and you have to have a house to hold the I had cars. four houses, Siobhan. I had my house here. I had my house in Houston. I had my, my mom and dad's house, and I had my wife's parents' house. You know, so we had all these expenses that came from me being the person that, quote unquote, made it, right? So what would you have done differently? Just on that point, I mean... <sighs> You know, being honest, I can't say I would do anything different. I'm, okay. I'm extremely happy. Okay. You know, um, so you live life and you learn, and it's, it's exactly you who it. you are today. There are some kids that you can tell don't touch the stove, and they'll heed your warnings and just keep working on. But then there are some kids that got to reach up there just to see how hot that stove is. Well, I got the burn to show it, but I've also got the experience that I now learn and pass on to those in front of me, behind me, because that's why we're here. Absolutely. We're not here to amass wealth. We're here to pass on our intelligence. We're here to make the make your kids' lives easier and therefore better than ours. You know, how much better are we in standing right now comparatively speaking to your great grandparents? Oh my are you goodness. kidding me? I mean, they don't have the luxuries and the conveniences that we have. And we would hope that, you know, we as a society would get better and understand that. The fact that I'm even on a radio show with you here right now, fifty years ago that wouldn't have been possible, now would it? Not at all. Continual Absolutely. improvement. That's what we it's want mind, in our lives. Mind, That's what it's about. You're right. You're right. So while you were in the NFL, did you plan? How, how did you plan for a second career? Were you thinking about? That's exactly what I told the guys. I said, you know what? Your focus is making this team. But in the back of your mind, you have to envision who you want to be once you're done. Because you, you might be lucky and get 10 years in. And if you retire, you're 25. I mean, you're 35 years old with the rest of your life in front of you. Well, if you don't have a plan, you're screwed. And if your entire identity is wrapped up in being and a football exactly. player, that's a, that's a tough place from... I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that that hits them hard, whether it's depression or just... Right. And the thing about it is, David, you talked about, like, you know, trusting someone to make the right decisions for you financially, right? Well, when you're part of that process, it makes the the, leaving the game easier because you know how much you spend. You know how hard it was to make that. So, therefore, you're going to try and position yourself in whatever industry or whatever you can do to sustain a lifestyle. And it's also even understanding what's a realistic lifestyle. You're not making seven figures anymore, bro. You know what yeah. I mean? And in a work, regular work field, unless you've been in a business for 10 years or something like you're not going to make $80,000 a year. Exactly. So how are you going to be able to afford your lifestyle? Live your affordable lifestyle while you're playing. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy. You can still buy Lululemon. You can still go to P.F. Chang's on the weekends or whatever else. But just do it 
in moderation. In moderation, yeah. exactly. No, but you know, Balance. on our side of the table, that's that's still hard to get through a lot of times. And it, it's it's great right. what you're doing, talking to the other athletes and um, about this as somebody who's been through it versus some money person coming in and some suit coming in and telling them this is how you need to do it. If you're going to talk to someone that has never come from a position of wealth, please put yourself in the position of educating your client. Because they have to understand not only that you're going to be the best person to help manage their money, but you're also teaching them the ways that they can actually help have influence in that too. Because if anything, if you're speaking two different directions, it's a tug of war with, with your financial advisor. You're trying to tell them what the right things are to do, and they're continually running the other direction. Make them understand by making them part of the process. Absolutely. You're right. So what was involved for you in knowing that it was time to retire from football? I was old as hell. You <laughs> How to set you, you up to, for that? You just had to get surgery every year after <laughs> I got done playing. You know, clean my knee out. That's the way it was. Ugh. And, you know, actually, it was the inevitability of change. And what I mean by that is I knew at some point in time, at 35 years old, I was going to be doing something different either this year or next year. So why avoid that? Get going. You know what I mean? So whether it's going to be a career in broadcasting or coaching or whatever I was trying to get in involved in. I, I've I've actually lost more money trying to reinvent myself as far as businesses and being philanthropic and being an entrepreneur and stuff like that without having the experience. I don't have an MBA in anything. You know, I've got a speech comedy degree. So how'd you make that transition? I mean, you, it sounded like while you were still playing, did you start toying with some of these other ideas or kind of trying to find yourself, if you will, or did you quit, retire, and then you started saying, now I'm going to try this and that? Um, I was in my office about a month ago, and I got out all of my business cards that I've ever amassed since I retired. Ooh. And there was probably 15 cards laid out on this table, and I wanted to take a picture of them. I was going to put them on Facebook. Mom, yeah. I said, don't put that on Facebook. I think that's it, actually kind of cool. She says it shows instability. Uh, it shows all the jobs and all the things that just didn't quite work out for me. And I could see it from that respect, but one of the reason why I brought that up is it showed you how many different ways I tried to reinvent myself, never giving up. Because right. the first that's, one, see, might, to me, that's exactly it. Yep. That's exactly it. Never giving up. Never the go. first one, second one, third, fourth, fifth, they might not ever work for you. But why stop? What are you going to do? Cry about it? Right. You know what I mean? You still got to get up each day and give it a try. That's it. And that comes, the easier job to transition is the one that you've got a good relationship with. So look around. Look at some of the successful people around you. Don't ask them for a handout. You know, teach me how to fish. Absolutely. Don't catch my fish. You, you know right? what I'm saying? So on, on those lines, any advice for young athletes? I know you have a lot. You're, that's, that's what you do. You're doing it this week, but. Stay in your locker. It's not about the guy across from you. Mm. It's not about how flashy this guy's car is that he pulled into the parking lot or his big gated community or whatever else. What makes you happy? You know what I'm saying? Stop living for other people. And unfortunately, when you're talking about minorities, we sometimes have to show our value in what we can purchase. And it's an unfortunate thing because we're already behind the eight ball. You know, Absolutely. by our perceptions. When I walk into a room, people already got me, they've got me summed up instantly. And they could be right or they could be wrong, period. But it's living my my life through those undefined terms that's going to get me into trouble. You know what I mean? So I have to be confident in who I am. Absolutely. Brad, great, great wisdom and advice. Thank you so much for being here. I could talk with you for hours. I think well, we need to have him back for another show. <laughs> anytime, guys. Anytime. Right down the street. We'll definitely have to get you back. Well, Thanks, as always, for tuning in with us today on Retire While You Work here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. If you need to reach us during the week, call us at 615-435-3644 for a consultation or visit us at retirewhileyouwork.com or come by and see us at our office in the 12th South neighborhood. We'd love to see you. Please stop by. And please always remember that life is short and there are many, many more important things to worry about than money, but I hope this show helps. 
Talk to you next week. Investment advisory services are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. David Adams Wealth Group is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC.